Welcome to the Chat With Your Kids podcast. I'm Marcy. And I'm Alex. And we're here to help you tackle the biggest topics through little chats with the kids in your life. Welcome to this week's episode of Chat With Your Kids, Chat With Your Kids About Sex. We have been so excited to share this episode with you, and earlier this week I was able to sit down with Meg Jakovich, and she is currently pursuing her PhD, and her research emphasis is parent-child sex communication, so you know it's going to be a good conversation. And unfortunately this week, due to some scheduling conflict, I wasn't able to be a part of this discussion, but I've really enjoyed listening to this content, and I know that you will too. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Meg. Welcome, Meg. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I, well, I have to say when we started the podcast, like this is actually our first episode on sex. And this is really the topic that I feel like just motivated chat with your kids the Instagram and then the podcast is something I've been really passionate about. And I have followed Meg's Instagram for so many years and I love everything you post. I think it is so good and so helpful. So this is a real treat for me to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. That's so kind. Thank you. (laughs) So I just want to give a brief introduction and then maybe let you introduce yourself a little bit more, maybe tell your story um, and then we can kind of just dive in. So Meg has her master's in marriage and family. She got that in 2023, and then she's continuing on and currently in her PhD program. We know how hard that is. So just (laughs) kudos to you for choosing to continue. Thank you. Um, And her research is actually in parent-child sex communication. So honestly, you are the perfect person to have on for our first episode on sex. We're so excited to have you. Um, Meg is married. She has four kids, ages eight through 17. And if you do follow her Instagram, it's shame-free chastity. Um, But if you follow this, you'll see that they have plenty of awesome, healthy conversations in their home about sex. And I just, I love, you know, seeing some of the examples that you give. So yeah, welcome. Just go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself and what motivated you to get into this line of research and, and yeah, anything else we need to know about you. Yeah, thank you. Um, So as far as my research is concerned and like how I ever got into this, I would say my whole life, I was raised in a conservative religion like many of us, Mm -hmm. and I'm still very active in this religion. And I grew up being very afraid of sex from the time I was little. Like I remember hearing messages, well-intentioned messages from church that was like, like, basically sex is bad. And I know not everybody had that experience, but it was definitely mine. And, okay. and, um, and then, and they would, I would hear messages about how sexual feelings aren't good because it might make you go have sex. And I was thinking, but never communicating to anybody, but like, I'm having sexual feelings. And yeah. so I must be bad. And I always just was so afraid and I was going to prove to God that I was still good and all of these things. But basically just really had a lot of fear around this and really never talked about it with parents or really anybody anyway and then moving in I you know I got married had four kids and it was when my third child was probably three or four she was in the bath and I was asking her like okay make sure you 
you know, wash all your parts. And she said, I have mommy, I've already done it. And I said, are you sure? Cause I knew she probably actually hadn't. Yes, and she's like, yes, I did. And I said, well, did you wash all your private parts? And she said, yes, mommy, I washed my front bum and my back bum. And, and in that moment I was, I realized, I'm like, I know that the outer female genitals are not called a front bum, but I didn't have the language to even know what they were and what the appropriate name for that would be. And it was in that moment where I realized the, another religious message that I very much believed in that God has not given us the spirit of fear. And I needed to put all of these fears aside because I also believed that the glory of God is intelligence, right? And like, God doesn't need us or want us to live in fear. In fact, he says all the time, fear not. So it was finally at that point when I really internalized, like, I can't, I don't have the language or vocabulary to give my own children to describe their own bodies. And how can they understand their bodies or keep their bodies safe if they don't have the right language? So anyway, that was like my, like, mama bear moment of I need to do things differently and I need to learn. So anyway, then I, you know, long story short, found this program down at BYU called the Marriage Family Human Development Program, where um, one of the, a few professors study healthy sexuality. And um, my advisor, who's named Laura Padilla-Walker, she specifically um, researches parent-child sex communication. And so I knew I wanted to do that too. So I started BYU in 2019. And because I'm a mom, I took four years <laughs> to get my master's degree. I went part-time and just plowed through. It felt so hard and really great though. And I finished that last summer and I was actually, I was so like done by the time I was done. I'm like, I need a break. This is so much. It's been overwhelming and so difficult to balance or not balance family life and school life anyway. And then but sitting in my cap and gown during graduation, I had this like moment of God telling me again, you just need to keep going. It's not very many more classes to get your PhD. So here I am getting my PhD and really, really loving it. So same, still studying the same topic, but just doing more of it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That is, I think that is a great, I love your story. And I think it is so relatable. I, I knew, like, I know you would share that story about like somewhere I'd seen like a yeah. I'm about your daughter in the bath. And then it was so funny because maybe a few years ago, I had a friend call me and they were like, Marcy, what is that part of your body called? <laughs> and they're like a similar experience. And I was like, and you know, they felt so embarrassed about it. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I told them your story. I'm like, I think this is common. Oh, yay. A lot of people don't know, like we weren't correct anatomy wasn't right. taught to us and I think that I mean there's just so much research especially about like women's bodies that women just don't know they just don't know mm -hmm. yeah because they haven't been taught right it's hard to know something mm -hmm. you haven't been taught or told right. you um, don't know what you don't know yeah Simple. exactly so <laughs> I, I love that and good for you for just saying like this makes me maybe a little uncomfortable or afraid. And so I'm just going to get as much information as, as PhD even. <laughs> I'm just going to go all <laughs> No, we're going to do this all the way. I love that. Well, we wanted to just begin with some reflection questions. Um, and the first question is really just like, what was that experience like when for you? How did you learn about sex growing up? Um, and I think it's good to just kind of reflect on what your experience was and what that was like. Um, you kind of shared Meg that your experience was not a lot of information given, right? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and Alex kind of laughs at me because one of my favorite 
questions to ask at a party is like that question. And let me tell you, it is like a, it is like a trick. It's a good one. (laughs) It will bond a group of people. Like, because I feel like everyone kind of wants to talk about sex, but it's like a safe way, right? It's not like inappropriate. It's kind of fun and cute. Like how did you talk about it? But I ask this question a lot and I love hearing everybody's different experiences. And I'll tell you most of the time, I feel like one time somebody was like, oh, my parents did everything right. And as they were telling me, I'm like, dude, your, your parents did everything right. But for the mm-hmm. most part, you know, our parents just did the best they could with what they had. And every generation is doing a little bit better. Absolutely. Um, but it's fun. I think it's fun to like kind of reflect on what your experience. Mine, I remember so well, I asked my parents, I don't know, I was probably like nine or 10. This is when I got like the talk. I asked them like, do old people still make out? <laughs> and, <laughs> and my mom's like, we'll have a conversation about it later today. And then she like waited for my dad to get home from work. And then she, I was the youngest and she made me and my sisters all sit down on the couch and they were like, why did you ask that question, Marcy? And I was like already in tears. I'm like, I didn't know. (laughs) And then they gave us the talk, just kind of bare bones. I remember so well, like (laughs) I remember so much from this experience. I remember saying, I'll never do that. <laughs> and I walked away crying and my sisters were so mad at me. And then that's, that was the talk, right? That was, that was it. That was it. <laughs> uh, and I, yeah, I, I, we laugh about it. Oh, they also started with a song, which was kind of funny. They like sat down and they're like, let me tell you about the birds. And <laughs> so I like the whole musical number. <laughs> and I like told my parents that recently. They're like, no, we didn't. I'm like, like. <laughs> Like it's scarred on my brain forever. I'll never forget. That's how uncomfortable you are. You guys started with song. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that is kind of our first reflection question. It could be kind of fun if you're like talking about it with a partner. I think it, um, it can be a difficult thing. It can also be kind of funny to think about, you know, what was that experience? But I think for a lot of people, there wasn't anything, right? I think that's pretty common. Yeah. Very common. Um, but Meg, you had some amazing reflection questions. So I would love for you to yeah, share those with us. Sure. Okay. So one that I wanted to ask us, your listeners to reflect on, and I do this often for myself is what do you wish your parents had talked to you about when you were younger and why? So when I have worked with parents and talking with them, sometimes we, put our, our own children in kind of this separate category of like, I need to protect them and I don't want to give them information because I'm probably uncomfortable about it. But when we think about our own experience as a child, um, there's probably some things we can remember really wanting to know or wondering about and feeling like maybe we couldn't ask about or we didn't know who to ask or we didn't know if we should ask. So if we can think about our own experience and wonder what is something that And even if it was something that you didn't necessarily think about your parents telling you, but just that you wanted to know about sex when you were younger and why it can sometimes help us to connect with what may, what might our own children be wanting to know and help us kind of normalize that. Like, it doesn't mean like you are bad to wonder anything. And it certainly doesn't mean our own children are bad for wondering things too. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I I think that's such a good question because I think sometimes I like sometimes think of myself as like the exception or whatever, like, oh, like I'll be watching a show that's like maybe not the best. I'm like, it's fine. Like I like this is it's fine. Like I'm a I can handle this or whatever. Um, but then I like think about 
yeah like your own kids and like what they would want so I think it's good to like think about I love how you put that like what do you wish you would have known or what would have been talked about what information you would have had because like you said like chances are your kids have the same questions or feelings or I think it's really important for parents to confront that like their children are sexual beings like yeah and I think you know you don't I, yeah, as a parent, you're like, I don't really want to think about that, but like you, you should, because yeah. then you help them navigate that. So I love that. Yeah, exactly. And then the other question that, um, I wanted to bring up is this idea of asking yourself what beliefs or emotions might be getting in the way of you talking to your own kids. So, um, when you're kind of, if you do find yourself feeling uncomfortable or worried or afraid of talking to your kids, trying to get to the bottom of that and asking yourself, what is it that's stopping you? Like, why are you feeling uncomfortable or why are you afraid? And, and that can be really enlightening. And I'm guessing it's similar for a lot of people, especially if we grew up in religion, uh, conservative religion, but also it, it could be unique. You know, you might have your own set of experiences that that really makes you feel strong emotions that are, you know, making you not want to do this. I love that. I think that's so true. And I feel like one of them could even be like, just lack of information, you know, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. but then maybe even the fear of like, where do I start? Or yeah, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I didn't know this, or my friends taught me what this was in college, or I learned this from pornography. And that's not how I want my kids to learn. Like, they, I feel like there's so much like, right lack of information that um could I feel like could be a barrier you know there's yeah there's a lot of fear around this topic Mm -hmm. and usually when we start thinking about our own barriers to having these discussions we realize there's there's probably lots of layers (laughs) like I mentioned for me being I was so afraid but then as I had my own children and they have all these body parts I realized like like you said, I, I'm afraid, but also I don't know what to say. And also I don't know what age to say it at. And also I don't want to give them too much information because that makes me afraid too. And all of these things. So I had to work through lots of layers to just be able to talk about it. I love that. But I, I love that reflection question. I think that's a, a big part of why we value like self-reflection on the podcast, because I think when you can confront and say, okay, I don't know enough, then that's like, okay, I know what's stopping me and I can find some information or exactly. I just feel really uncomfy about this and I need to learn to sit in the discomfort or like just to really mm-hmm. spot those like barriers or fears. So that. yes, those are great reflection questions and mm-hmm. um, give listeners a lot of pondering or a lot of good conversations. Um, if you're chatting about this with like a partner, or a fellow parent who's in the trenches with you. (laughs) Um, I would love to just kind of move on to some information. So Meg, like this is your area of research. (laughs) So I'm sure you've talked to so many parents, you've read so much. Um, So I guess like what would, what advice or what would you want parents to know as they maybe do approach this and say, okay, I want to do right by my kids. I want to talk that to them about sex I want to have this conversation like what would you want parents to know yeah so so one thing I'll say first about that is um I think the number one question I had as I like went to BYU with my guns a blazing to like learn all that I could I just really wanted to know if talking about sex with kids makes kids go have sex because at some point along my journey I had 
my, well, like one of my biggest worries was if I talk to them about sex, they're going to know more and they're going to be more curious. And then they're going to go like experiment and have sex because I've given them this information. And, um, and that is just like a resounding myth. It's not true at all. And I think that alone is very helpful or can be very helpful for parents to realize that in fact, the opposite is true. So when we give our children good information and we are their source of good information and they can trust the information we give them, then when they have questions, they come to us to ask them. If we don't give them any information, it turns out, like you already mentioned, our kids are sexual beings and they start having normal sexual development almost always, you know, right from the start, which includes crushes when they're little and being interested in other people, people's and their own body parts. And um, if they don't feel like they can talk to us or when they have asked questions, we shut them down or we don't answer or we get mad at them, then they realize, oh, I can't talk to them about these topics and they still want the information. So so if we don't talk to our kids, that's what's going to set them up for getting information from outside sources, which may or may not be accurate in the first place. And and it can even just set up this foundation of. Um, my parents can only handle certain conversations, but not others. So maybe my, my parents can't handle stuff, you know, versus this, just like keeping things normal, keeping things open, keeping things kind. And when we get so afraid of giving information, we can just remind ourselves, actually giving this information to our kids is what's going to set them up to make really healthy sexual decisions as they get older. So, so that's like the, a really important um, piece that I like to share with parents that talking about sex with kids doesn't make them go have sex sooner. In fact, all the research shows, and this is for across religions, across demographics, like if you talk to your kids about sex, they often put off having sex until later because they have information about it. They're not going to go do it just because they're curious because you've already talked to them about it. So that's like the number one thing. And then when we start getting, so the, the way that we do our research is we look for like healthiest sexual outcomes and then what parents have done that is associated with those. So that's like a lot of research jargon, but basically what that means is what are parents doing? Um, and then what are the kids doing? Right. And so the, the families that have children who are making healthy sexual decisions within their value system. So that could be um, not having sex until they're engaged or married later, or it could be having sex, but doing it safely and in, in a consensual way. They have parents who have talked often to them about sex and they have parents who have talked more openly about sex. So they're not lecturing them. They're not only having one talk, which is for some reason what so many of us experienced, right? We got sat down and had the one talk like you've discussed already. So yeah. <laughs> like that, there's nothing in research that supports anything like that. It's so funny to me now, but it's like, none of us questioned it growing up. In fact, it's called the talk because it's- It's iconic, one thing. right? Like <laughs> that happens once. Yeah, yeah, it's the talk. Yeah, so, and the talk feels more like a- you know, a fire hydrant and that can be so overwhelming and it's so much information coming at us. But I'm like, can you imagine trying to like cover all sexual health and all the things you want your kid to know about right. in one sit down conversation? I'm like, yikes. Oh, I would not like, right. it's literally impossible. Right. And so what it really boils down to is the talk usually means here's what sex is like the mechanics of sexual intercourse. Yes. Don't do it. 
And one day you can do it when you're married. Like that's usually what the actual, the talk means, but that's not sexual health. That is one tiny aspect of some, you know, the mechanics are a little bit of reproduction health knowledge. And then some values discussion kind of was in there, but it was sort of in a scary, I'm afraid of it way. So yeah, it's just like, it's not a great idea. <laughs> I, I love that. No, I, and that's, I mean, that's like the chat with your kids model is like frequent yeah. about every topic. Right. But I think, you know, sex is such, I feel like if there's one topic, this is so important about, you know, sex is definitely high, high up there on the list because I, I love how you mentioned like kids having crushes because I think that's an important part is the, the conversation about sex is so much. It's not just the mechanics of intercourse. Right. It's relationships. It's respecting others' boundaries, consent, communication, making healthy choices, res- like just so much love, intimacy, values. Like there's yes. so mm-hmm. much body parts, cleaning, like just keeping yourself healthy. And like, yeah. there's so much, right? And so I think- I I love that, um, that one, like having these conversations, just dispelling that fear of like having these conversations is going to empower your kids to make better choices within your value system. And it's like, it's, it can, it can only do good, right? If you, and, and I think even if you get it wrong, that's also a nice thing about not just the talk of like, you maybe, maybe sometimes you do a little bit of that, like fearful or like you know talk and then maybe you're like you're going to bed at night and you're like oh I oh I did not like how I handled that question or shut down a question and then you know okay well that's okay we can have a conversation tomorrow and I can back you know backtrack and maybe say hey you had this question I I don't love how I answered it and I think I have a better answer for you right and what example of like modeling for your kid and then also what a great relief for you like you don't have to get it right hundred percent of the time, as long as you just make it an open conversation. Amen. That is such a takeaway. I try to share with parents all the time. It's like, there's so much pressure on us. If we're only ever giving one talk to do it perfectly, to cover everything. And like we've already said, that's basically impossible. But when we're having little tiny conversations all the time, then like you just said, we don't have to feel this pressure of being perfect. I, all the time, especially when I'm like writing out posts, for Instagram. It, that's, that's a means of reflection for me as I'm writing out the conversations I have with my kids. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I, that wasn't very open. Like that was more like controlling in my language. And so then I, it helps me know, or, or I'm like, Oh, I kind of evaded that question. I didn't really address it head on, or maybe I didn't give them enough information or sometimes I'm like, I probably answered too much. They didn't really know, or they weren't really asking. So anyway, when I'm reflecting on that, I can go back the next day or the next week or whenever, because it happens a lot, not just once and say, like you just said, like, Hey, remember when we were talking about this? Like, I remember that I said something kind of weird that I wanted to correct because it wasn't quite right. Or, Oh, I realized I didn't give you quite enough information on this. Or I actually said something that was wrong. And so I, I went back and learned and now I can tell you what is the actual, you know, real answer or whatever. And because we're having these conversations often, it's no big deal. You just like slip it in there and have another conversation. I love that. And that's a follow-up question, right? Like that be a follow-up question, like, oh, well, thanks for correcting that mom. And while we're on the topic or, or even modeling of like, I love how you said, I didn't have it right. And I went and learned 
because I think as parents, we are a little bit more aware of maybe better, more reliable sources to learn to find answers to these questions. Like I remember the go-to for my generation. I don't know if the kids these days are still using Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Like the go-to, which was like, I think it's kind of like a Wikipedia, but of like sexual things or like slang and like that stuff, right? And so was that like maybe the most accurate or helpful information? Probably not, (laughs) you know, like it's just random people writing stuff on the internet. Who knows? Like it's not really vetted or whatever. Yeah. But I like that's where I like my me and my friends were like, well, let's go to Urban Dictionary, right? Yeah. Let's go get some accurate information from yeah. Urban Dictionary. <laughs> so I think that's good. Like you could even model like, oh, I actually had a question about that too, and to kind of teach them about maybe some healthier places to to look for it or you know. So I like I like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you kind of mentioned a little bit like about values, and I think that's such an important part of this conversation. I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit more about that. I know your Instagram is uh, focused towards more of like a religious, like people who are have religious values, conservative religious values um, surrounding this topic. But I know that you're researching this more broadly with like so many different like values or sex. So I would love for you to just talk to me a little bit more about how we can communicate values to our kids and maybe even help them respect others who have different values. Yeah, for sure. So, so that is one thing I'm specifically researching. I'm in the middle of a project right now where, um, so the research suggests quite often that, um, frequent and open communication between parents and children about sex is one way that parents can share their values with their kids. But I haven't seen any actual evidence that, those types of conversations make an impact on kids. And so that's one of the projects I'm working on where, um, and so I work with data from the Healthy Sexuality Project, which is this longitudinal project. So it spans now four years and um, where we're asking the same families, the same questions every year and see how they parent around sexuality. And one of, we asked them a set of questions about like this, Um, their values about sexual timing, whether they think their kids should go hook up with people whenever they want to, to have sex, or if they should wait until they're more in a committed relationship later or wait till marriage, that sort of thing. And so, so the statistical analyses that I've run so far, and I'm just, I'm expanding on it this semester in my work, um, is that in fact, when parents teach about their their value about the sexual timing, like when the best time is that they should have sex, their kids report a year later that they believe in those values too, which is the best news because, and we were looking at both casual values. So the casual, like hooking up is fine. Any amount of sexual partners is fine. We're looking at casual values, but we're also looking at committed values where it's like, we think that you should wait until you're in a committed relationship, wait till marriage, those types of values, whatever value the parent teaches, the child reports believing in a year later. And then we're also going to be looking at if what the child reports their value is, if that is reflected in their sexual behavior. So that's what I'm working on now. But I think that's really powerful because what it suggests is that um, whatever it is you're teaching your kids, they're like absorbing it. And they will report believing in it. So if you're saying to them, you know, I want to talk to you about sex and here's all this good information. And also 
in our family, like this is a literal conversation I have with my kids quite often. I would say to them, you know, we're, we're talking about whatever topic about sexual health. And then I usually throw in, and just as a reminder, like in our family and because of our religion, we believe one of the best times to have sex is once you get married. And that's a really, that's a really great idea for us. And it's brought a lot of happiness to our lives. And that's the way we like to think about it. And then we also talk about, and other families might teach things differently. Other families might say, you could go have sex whenever you want, or they might say you could have sex before marriage, but just make sure it's safe sex and protected sex and consensual sex, but that we get to make decisions based on our own values. So I think that parents without realizing it, whether they're, um, kind of proactively teaching about their own values, or if they're not, they are sending messages to their kids about it. So you may as well be proactively teaching what you hope for your kids and not in a controlling way. And that's the tricky part, right? Because you don't have to say, don't have sex until you're married. You'll be in big trouble if you do. That's the lecturing piece that we don't want to have when we're talking to them. But just talking about them more in terms of what you hope for your children. Like, I hope that one day you have a really beautiful sexual relationship with somebody that you love and who loves you. And, and the way that we think about that is we hope that you can wait until marriage because, and then you can tell your reasons why. And that's you talking about your values about that, but in another family, and you can teach your kids that other families think differently and that that's also okay. And that the, a beautiful part of life is learning to make decisions based on your value system. I really like, I feel like there's so much like one, I love what you shared about that research because like what I'm hearing is like talking to your kids about sex matters, right? Like, and regardless of what your values are, because I think if your values are like you said, like, um, we want you to, you can experience sex with a variety of partners, but let's do it in a healthy way let's do it in a safe way let's make sure that it's consensual right that's really important that your kids are getting the message if you Mm -hmm. have the value that you would like your kid to wait like we need to talk to them about that and communicate that and it's so cool that it it makes a difference like yes see them on their own like figure it out (laughs) like I'm a little too nervous because I think we all do and hopefully in your self-reflection Maybe you did have an idea of like, what are my values around this topic? And what would I want my child's values to be? And of course, children are going to grow into adults and they're going to, hopefully we can give them all the tools to make decisions the best that they can. And they might have some values that are the same and they might have some values that are different. If we're engaged in having these conversations, then hopefully they'll involve us in that and, you know, talk to us about what their values are and how theirs, you know, relate or differ or whatever. So I really, really like that. And I also was just thinking about how like sex requires partners, right? And so your children's partners, whether it's just a crush or, you know, later on somebody that they may be intimate with, whether it's a husband or a wife or whatever, these people have their own set of values, right? Your kid is going to somebody that they like or they love and so I think if we can I love how you modeled that like talking about values and these are our family's values and this is what I hope for you and um also talking about other people's values because I I think that gives your kids some 
better tools in navigating those conversations with a partner, especially navigating like consent of helping them say, here's my values. Or maybe if their values differ and they think, Hey, why don't you want to have sex? If their parent has talked to them, maybe they can have more respect or understanding for their partner and knowing, Oh, I recognize your values and that you have different values. So I really, really like that of not just teaching. There is, this is the right way and this is good and this is bad, but sharing, this is what I hope for you. This is our family's values. And let me help you understand that people think differently about this topic and you're going to encounter that. And so let's navigate that. I really, really like that. Yeah, for sure. I think if also when we have these types of discussions and this is, this brings in more of, I guess, a religious angle, but one, one principle of my religion that I really love and I think is beautiful is agency. And I, I believe that you can't really make like, it's hard to exercise agency when you don't have a choice, right? So the more knowledge that we can give our children and and that includes talking to them about our values on sex timing, et cetera, then they can actually make choices. They can be agentic in their choices. Like they can know like, well, here's all of these options. Here's what my parents have taught me. And then as I'm getting older, I get to make my own choices. And so do the people around me. So, you know, when they do have a boyfriend or girlfriend or something, and, and maybe that particular person does have maybe a different kind of set of values, your child hopefully feels empowered because of the information you've given them. And you're modeling, like we talk a lot too, even about choices and how you get to decide. And that's part of consent. That's part of, you know, even if somebody else wants something different, you still have a choice completely. And if you don't, then that is not okay. You know, they're taking consent away from you then, which is a non-consensual type situation. So like the whole system just, I feel really empowers our children to have this really healthy relationship to their own bodies and to others and know how to navigate these conversations with their partners eventually, um, whether just dating or sexual and, and feeling empowered to make choices that align with their belief systems, whatever those may be. I love that. And talking about, you've been talking about sex timing of like when your child has sex, but I feel like there's another kind of timing that you brought up of just like when to have these conversations, right? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Like maybe right now, like me and Alex, our kids are young and I, we were actually just saying right before this, I was like, I cannot believe how much this topic comes up with my two-year-old in like, you know, their own age appropriate ways. But like, it is amazing how many opportunities already with such young children, but I know that's like a fear, right? Like, am I going to give them too much information too fast? So I don't know, how would you speak? I, we have, you know, listeners of of kids of all ages and you, Mm -hmm. I mean, have a kid who's almost an adult, right? So So crazy. They grow fast. (laughs) That's hard to imagine. Right. So talk to you a little bit about like timing. Um, yeah, when to start the conversation and what that looks like across the, you know, this childhood of of your kid. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll preface this with saying I didn't do this well with my oldest, who's now 17. And, but my message to parents would be like, it's never too late. So if you're, if you feel like, you know, you hear what I say and then you're like, oh no, and I didn't do that. It's totally fine. It's never too late, but also it's really never too early to start either. So from the time your children are barely newborns, you can practice naming their parts as you change their diapers and you bathe them so that, well, that does two things. 
it's going to give them knowledge, even though they're not necessarily cognitively able to remember that right now, but eventually they will be, and they'll be very used to hearing those words. And it also helps you become comfortable using those accurate body parts, uh, body part names, and, and it can kind of normalize it for you. So that's like a really basic place to start, but it's like you already heard me share my story. I didn't know the right body parts, you know, in my thirties to tell my own child. So it's basic, but it's so important and it's so powerful. And, and let me just throw in another plug for just even body part naming body part. If your children know the correct body part names, it's also a component in keeping them safe with others. Because if somebody is touching a body part that they shouldn't be touching, then your child will have the vocabulary and language to tell you exactly what was touched inappropriately or whatever, right? So anyway, there's so many good reasons to even just talk about accurate body part names, and you can do that right from the start. Um, um, I would say basic consent discussions from the time your kids are old enough to play with others. Um, or be interested in a toy that somebody else has. You don't have to talk about sexual consent, but we're always talking about consent in terms of, um, oh yeah, you want that toy. I see that. And that's okay to want it, but you would need to ask permission. And then they might say yes, and they might say no. And then your job is to listen and respect that. And, and the same thing, if you have a toy and somebody wants your toy, you get to decide if you're ready to share or, you know, et cetera, so that they know that they're in charge of their decisions and other people are in charge of their own decisions. And we don't cross that line. Um, I mentioned safety. I would say having safety discussions is important, but I wouldn't do it at the same time as you're talking about like, oh, your beautiful body parts, but keep it safe, you know, like maybe separate those because sometimes safety discussions could introduce um, some scarier ideas that we don't want to be associated with the amazing bodies that our kids have, but just like simple safety discussions about similar, but different from consent where it's like your body is your own and nobody has permission to touch your body except you. And, you know, parents who are helping you maybe bathe or clean yourself or dress and maybe a doctor with parent permission, but nobody else does. And, um, and other people's bodies, are their own bodies and we don't have permission to touch their bodies either. Um, and then just even talking about body part function. So just like a lot of body focus yeah. at young ages. And I think parents probably naturally do that a lot more. Maybe avoid, maybe some parents avoid um, the genital name, but besides that, I'm guessing parents do a lot of that. But I think those, that, that those are sexual health discussions, even if maybe we haven't thought about them that way. So I mean, that's, that's kind of the starting point, I would say. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a great place to start with. And even like, I, something I like care a lot about. And I remember like the consent and tickling and being like, oh, like, yeah. like about tickling. And I'm like, but you know, like, it's so fun. But I was like, you know what? No, we'll ask. And honestly, one of my favorite things is asking my kids, like we play the tickle game and I say like, can I tickle you? And then like, usually they're like, yeah. And it's mm -hmm. fun that I stop and say it, but sometimes they say no. And I'm so glad as a parent, I'm like, Oh, how glad am I that I asked you? Because like, I don't like when people like touch me and I don't want to be touched. And I'm just like, I'm so glad that I know that about you that I just ask a simple question. And we have that pattern 
that like, I can ask you something and you can say like, no, I'm good right now. No, thanks. And like, Mm -hmm. I think about it. I'm like, what if I just like tickled you? And you're like, oh, I don't want that. Like how I'm so glad I didn't make my child feel uncomfortable because like nine times out of 10, they're like, yes, we love Mm -hmm. you. But sometimes they say, no, I'm so glad that I've like given them that tool. And I think sometimes like that is kind of like a, I think there is a lot of fear of like, oh, but like, that's not fun. Or like, you know, or yeah, like, oh, we're like making kids grow up too fast. And I think those fears of, you know, like, but yeah, teaching your kid the correct body parts or anatomy, you know, and I think like, like you said, in so many ways, it's not making them grow up too fast. It's giving them the tools to help them stay safe. Mm -hmm. It's age appropriate. And, you know, part of helping them because one day they will grow up and they will be adults. And if we wait until that point to give them all the information that, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder or it might be more challenging or difficult. And so I love that just like starting young age appropriate and just following their lead. I love that. Right. And, um, I've read a bunch of articles about this idea that parents, one of the reasons parents don't want to talk to young children about these things, um, you know, these sexual health discussions. And I will throw in, notice I didn't say we're talking about the act of sexual intercourse. Like that doesn't come up when they're little, that, that wouldn't need to, right. But even all the other stuff about bodies and body parts and body functions and consent and all that, they think that sometimes parents are afraid they're taking away children's innocence. Right. But, but when we kind of break that down, Sometimes we put, um, we interpret children's questions and behaviors from an adult perspective, whereas these kids are just exploring their whole environment in every way. They're not just exploring um, bodies, right? They're exploring the dirt and the sky and paper and pencils and just everything is so new and exciting and fascinating to them. And bodies are part of that. So we don't need to put this adult lens on what they're experiencing, but we can give them information the same way that if they've never had scissors before, we're going to teach them how to use them, not be like, you really shouldn't touch that. And, you know, cause you could get hurt. You know, we don't usually talk like that. We might say, let me teach you how to do this. So you're safe. And, and we, anyway, you know, kind of from this more perspective, like just let's remember that kids are curious and it's natural and there's nothing wrong with that. And we don't have to put an adult interpretation on that curiosity, which is exactly what I did when my son was young. Can I share a story about that? Actually, when my oldest was like five, he started putting his hands down his pants all the time and touching his penis. And in my adult mind, I saw that behavior, which I will also point out is a very typical behavior for like four or five, six, seven year olds. And, um, and I was so worried. And in my adult mind, I was thinking, oh my goodness, my son has discovered his penis, which means he's discovered masturbation, which means, and I had a whole story in my mind of that he will eventually land in prison because he's doing this thing as a five-year-old and, and I can laugh at that now, but it was like real gripping fear. And at the time, and I remember, um, I said to him something like, Hey buddy, like, just take your hands out of your pants. I can't exactly tell you why, but just do it, please. And it was like, it's so, it's just like kind of the worst how I handled it. But I came back later to him when I knew better. And I said, Um, and actually he was quite a bit older. I, I luckily realized quickly that giving that much attention to anything is only going to draw attention to this behavior. Right. So I was like, okay, I need to stop my crazy fear mongering and just like 
He's probably going to be okay. And then a few years later, I was like, Hey, remember when you used to put your hands down your pants a lot? Because turns out it doesn't last forever. These behaviors, right? Anyway. And I was like, I didn't handle that very well. And I'm sorry. Like, you're good. You were just curious about this body part that you've had your whole life. That's normal. And you're just like a really great kid. And sorry that I overreacted basically. So I love yeah. that. <laughs> we have to repair sometimes when we, when we don't do it very nicely or openly or too controlling those types of things. I love that example because I think that is like, I think there's like so much going on. Not only are you like teaching some good, like sex health stuff, but also just like good modeling of like, Hey, I'm not perfect. And sometimes I'm not too proud to say, Hey, I didn't get this right. Like, I think that's just like humility. I think. And yeah. Like you said, repairing is so. Yeah. Much. Oh, and I guess the reason I mentioned that story is because it wasn't that I was taking his innocence away. That's, you know, it's not like I was, I was making his behavior an adult behavior, but he was just exploring out of curiosity. What's down there. Oh my gosh, it feels good. You know? And so, and so just acknowledging that now with my, my younger kids now that I know more, I'll just be like, yep, some body parts feel good when you touch them. That's how God made your body. And also if we touch that body part all day long, we couldn't do anything else. So that wouldn't make sense. Right. So yeah. Anyway, you know, just like framing it, normalizing things, but not freaking out about it. I love that. I, yeah. I think that's a great example. Well, is there anything else that like, before we move on to maybe some conversation starters, is there anything else that you would want parents to know any advice you would give about this conversation? Um, just kind of this idea of trying to make it normal. And um, I think a lot about when we teach our children anything else, we, it doesn't work to have one discussion. And we've already talked about that, but just kind of thinking more about that. When I've tried to teach my kids to clean the toilet, if I show them once, it literally doesn't work. And sometimes I've showed them 10 times and it still doesn't stick, you know, and, and that applies to everything. Dishes, vacuuming, learning to read is a great example. If you just were like, I'm going to sit down and teach you everything you need to know. Um, but also you can't do it until you're an adult. Like it just, it would crumble. The whole system wouldn't work. So just try to keep it really normal and face your own fears. Like if you're uncomfortable saying the correct anatomical terms, say it in the mirror, like practice to yourself. That's, I had to do that with the word breasts. For some reason, that word was my most uncomfortable word. And um, yeah, so just like try to keep it normal, keep it easy. Your discussions could be 30 seconds one day, two minutes three days later, you know, it's just, it's small discussions over time, chat with your kids, <laughs> like your name. Right. So, and that's why like, it's like, you know, the ideal way I feel like for listeners to listen to the podcast is I would love for them to listen with like a partner and, or with like a friend so that I feel like you can start to, you know, like this is one podcast episode, right. But mm -hmm. at least like get you talking about it and saying, okay, I want to get comfortable with this. And so you can talk through these reflection questions or you can say, okay, I need to use, we've been using hoo-ha or whatever, you know, we don't need yeah. to do that anymore. Let me practice. So I feel like I, I love that of like um, enlisting the help of another adult, you know, and saying, totally. Hey, if you're parenting together, if you're raising these kids together, let's be on the same page about this. <laughs> let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's practice. What are you nervous about? What are your, you know, how can we make this more normal? Well, we can start by making it normal between us talking about it or even with a friend, right? Like just saying, Hey, let's talk about this. Like, you know, we both have kids. 
this is obviously something we both think about. Listen right. to this episode or let's read this book together and let's talk about it. Because I think if we can feel more comfortable and confident talking to another adult, then, you know, at a party, ask everyone, how did you get the touch? Yeah. Right? That's going to be my no- new go-to conversation icebreaker, I, I think. Oh, you hit people <laughs> together. It is That's awesome. Fun. Like, I don't know, it's a bonding, bonding experience because we all have, we all have something, right? Even if mm-hmm. nothing, there's a lot to nothing, right? Um, but yeah, I love that. Just like normalizing and practicing saying those body parts. I, I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to wrap up um, with just some like conversation starters, that's one of the things I love the very most about your posts is when um, Meg's Instagram show a lot of times just give an example of like a, a conversation they had around sex in just like everyday life, you know? Um, so tell me a little bit more about like, okay, you're like, you've reflected, maybe you have a little more information, you're feeling empowered and you're like, how do I start this conversation? Like what? What would you say is the best way to start the conversation or some ideas that you found helpful with your own kids or with people you've worked with in your research? Yeah. So um, one thing you can expect as you talk more openly, first of all, is that your kids will start bringing things up because they know that they just can, just like they'd bring up anything. But when that maybe pattern hasn't been established yet, um, I think, I mean, literally a really great way to start it is just to say, hey, I realized I haven't talked to you about this, this thing, whatever that is. And I need to. So like, it could be as simple as that to say, I realized I haven't talked about this yet and we should talk about it. I um in thinking about this idea before the podcast, even things where if you're thinking my kids aren't going to have sex until they're married, so they don't need to learn about things like condoms or birth control. Maybe instead of thinking, I don't need to talk about that because that somehow doesn't fit into our value system. You can remember eventually I want my child to be sexually active in a healthy relationship. Like really abstinence is not our goal for our children as parents. Our goal is healthy sexuality along the way. Right. So, um, you could say to your child, even though you kind of hope they don't need to use this eventually or before marriage, I should say, but you could say, Hey, I realize we've never talked about condoms. And I thought we should discuss it. So you know what they are one day when you need to use them. Because even though we talk about values, it still could be that your child decides to have sex before marriage or not. And condoms could be a thing that they need to use at any point along their journey. So, but importantly, remind yourself because anxiety can creep up when we talk about things like this. You can remind yourself just because I'm talking about condoms doesn't mean they're going to go use condoms right now. You know, it just means you're giving them good information. So anyway, that idea of, I realized I haven't talked to you about X, Y, and Z. And then, then having that conversation. I love that conversation starter. And actually what you were talking about with condoms and like birth control reminds me of, I, when I was working in a high school, I had a client, a student who was a senior and she came to me and that was the reason she wanted to go talk to a mental health professional in the school is actually her parents were very sexually open. Like they, mm-hmm. she had a boyfriend and they assumed that she was sexually active. Like she's like, no, my parents know. She's like, but she was like, I don't want to get pregnant and I don't really know what to do about it because they weren't using mm-hmm. protection. So whenever she didn't know what to do or what to talk about. And she's like, I don't feel comfortable talking to my parents about it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask them about that. And I thought it was really interesting that she was like, I need to talk to, she, it was an adult. Like it wasn't, 
she wasn't really distressed. She was just like, I think you're an adult. I can talk to you about this. Like I need an adult mm-hmm. to help me navigate this. And I thought that was great that she didn't just say, let's see what's on TikTok. <laughs> like, you know what I yeah. mean? But I, I, I thought that was such an interesting experience is the way she described her parent relationship is it was very open. They were aware they were fine, but she didn't feel comfortable talking to them about it. And she needed some information that was really essential. Right. And so, um, I, I, I love that. Like, yes. <laughs> also that example is fascinating for another reason. I think too, um, sometimes we assume that when parents are, don't have the same values as us and they're like, yeah, I'm sure my kid's having sex. That doesn't mean they've talked to them about sex either. Like just because you have different values doesn't mean you have great sex communication skills, but it would bless every child's life, no matter the values, if parents would talk to their kids and, and give them information. So I think that's a really great example for a lot of reasons, what you just shared. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I, and I love that example of like, you might need this information eventually, right? Because it's like, it's not like when, like if your kid does choose to wait until marriage, they're still going to have to encounter like all of these things, right? Like Like, being married just makes you like, oh, I, uh, now I know. (laughs) Like, right. So, and maybe they're a little older and maybe they do have more skills or resources than like a younger person, but still, you know, I I love that. Like giving them a little information before they get to that point is so helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, a couple other conversation starter ideas could just be sometimes if my kids have never brought something up, because some kids will ask questions more naturally and some kids just won't. I have a, one of my best friends, her daughters like ask from very young ages, very specific questions about functions of body parts and how things work. And then her son that's in between them, like doesn't ask about anything at all. And so she has to more proactively bring things up with him, but just like a really simple way to do that could be to say, Oh, Hey, did you know, blah, and then just say it. Um, and, and that, that, I mean, that could feel abrupt, so that might not work in every situation, but just in the same sense of like, I realize we haven't talked to this, to you about this. Did you know that this does this or whatever, you know? So just like bringing it up naturally like that. I love that. And I think like, also like if you're like, my kid would be mortified. Yeah. Like you're probably right. Like, unfortunately, and hopefully maybe eventually as more and more parents grasp this model of like, let's talk about it, open conversations. Maybe there will be less like, Oh, gross. Oh, you know, but like, as it sounds like, you know, your kid probably will be like, "Ah, ah," you know what I mean? And like, especially if you're like maybe jumping into this, but I think like, even though a kid may be responding or acting like that, it doesn't mean they don't want to know. Right. That's kind of, that's like what you're taught. That's how you're taught to respond. Like, even it's so weird because this is a great example. My four-year-old came home from school and he was like, he's like, kissing is gross. It was like a question. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Hmm." I was like, I really like kissing. I like kissing your dad. I like giving you kisses. I was like, I don't think it's gross. And he's like, I don't think it's gross either. But, and he's like naming all these kids at school and he's like, everyone at school thinks it's gross. Right. So even like, we're trying to maybe like have these conversations in our house, but then they're going to get this information other where other places that like, yes. and so, yeah. you know, it's natural. It's fine for your kids to maybe be a little uncomfortable. And the more and more you do it, you're going to build up that muscle. But I, I love that. Like just, you know, your kids might respond in a way that's like, I don't want to talk about this, but but they want to know about it. They maybe don't want to talk about it, but they want to know about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
one thing that one way that I've um, keeping in mind what you just said, like they want to know, even if they don't know that they want to know, or at least they're going to need to know. Yeah, too. Yeah. So I, one of one topic that I realized I, because of my own discomfort, I hadn't brought up to my son back a few years ago was wet dreams. And, um, and so I had to say to him kind of like the, I, I realized conversation started, I already mentioned, but I was like, Hey, I realized I've never really talked to you about wet dreams before. And then I said, and this, cause this is the other tool you can use is like, have you heard about wet dreams before? Like, what do you know about that? And that can help you gauge what your kids know or have wondered in the first place to see if you're starting from totally ground zero or if there's, if they have at least heard things at school, like you say, or from somebody else, or they've at least wondered something. And yeah. And then if you have a a kid who's really open, they might tell you all sorts of things, or they might be really honest and say, no, I haven't ever heard of that. Or you might have a child whose personality isn't as open and is more closed. And they'd be like, I don't know, you know, like, why are you mentioning this? And you can be like, oh, well, I realized we haven't talked about it. And it's something that your body will probably experience. And so I need to teach you about that because that's my job as your parent. Yeah. Just I, keeping it normal. I love that. Kudos to my mom because I remember from the talk, she said something like that. She's like, have you heard about sex? Do you know what that is? And I remember it so well being like, oh, and I like remembered this scene from Pearl Harbor. And I was oh, like, wow. I was like, it's when people like run around naked in sheets. <laughs> and so like, but I thought that was good that she like asked that question. And then that's good because then you can kind of know, okay, here's where we're starting from. So, yeah. um, so I love that question of like, kind of curious, oh, have you heard about this? Or like, yeah, what mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I have loved having this conversation. I'm sure our listeners will love listening to this conversation. I think I feel even more like confident in having this conversation with our kids. And um, and I feel really hopeful that like more and more parents are saying, I want to have these conversations because I, I that gives me hope because our kids are all grown up and running around and they're, you know, with each other and they're going to date and marry each other one day. And so yeah. I'm really hopeful to know that like a lot of parents are really invested and, and that's a, with like a lot of listeners of the show, this is a topic that I think a lot of parents are, are passionate about. They say like, I want to get. Right. And most of us just don't know quite how to start. So hopefully this can help. Well, as we, you know, wrap up, um, do you want to just tell us like where we can find you or just any closing thoughts as well? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Basically, right now, I'm focused on my family and grad school. So I post research-based information on my Instagram account, which you mentioned already, Shame Free Chastity. And I'm not, like, super Instagram consistent, but there's lots of stuff there that could be a hopefully very helpful place. And and the link in my bio on Instagram is filled with um, some really great resources from others. Um, so that's the resource I could point you to. And I would just say, like, doing anything is going to be helpful. So just don't be afraid. And if you are afraid, like pat your arm and tell yourself, of course, I'm afraid and do it anyway. You know, like, um, just you're really empowering your kids and, and it's setting a foundation at whatever point you start, you're going to set this foundation of my parents can handle conversations. And so I can turn to them. And if you just keep bringing it up, even if they're annoyed by it, they will eventually hear this idea of, oh, this is important. And they keep bringing it up. This, they could be a resource for me if I need it. 
and it's and it empowers them. There's just really no bad effects from these conversations. It's so powerful. I love that too. That's like, I feel like too, it's like, Hey, if my parent is willing to talk to me about sex, then I sure can tell them I'm nervous about a math test or like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Right. We talk about anything like it is, we are here for you. So I love that. That's right. Exactly. Thank you so much. We've really appreciated having you. I can end Thank this. you so much for having me. I appreciate it too. Thank you for joining us for another episode of chat with your kids. If you are enjoying the show, please share it with a friend, a partner, or somebody that you love. And until next time, keep chatting with your kids.